I'm Julie Podowitz, CEO and founder of Grow Your Occupancy. Our passion is helping senior living providers maximize sales efforts and increase revenue. Join me as I chat with industry leaders who share their tips and strategies, and we'll have some fun along the way. Hello, everyone. I am Dani Merlino, the VP of Strategic Development for Grow Your Occupancy. And today I actually have a guest with me and my very first guest I have invited to our Grow Your Occupancy podcast. So I would like to welcome Melissa from Elegant Senior Living. Hey, how are you? Hey, Danny. How are you? Thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm doing well. Thank you. So one of the things that I absolutely adore about you is um, you speak what is on your mind. We've chatted a few times now in the last few weeks, and um, I think we get along really well because we're both just transparent and we're like, you know, there's these issues in the industry. Why are other people talking about them? And I love your thoughts. So what's been on your mind lately? So I guess coming in, crunching, trying to get to end of year, and we started on a really high note and we want to end on a high note and just, you know, putting in all the effort to do that. But there's been, I don't know if it's because summer hit or what happened, but I feel like there's been like a little loss of focus. So even speaking to my peers in the industry, it's like, how do we, how do we get everybody sales focused? So we we personally have something called one is better than one and it's our sales squad training. But more than anything, I guess what has been coming up at least this last week and the week prior from my peers calling me and they're like, Melissa, if I hear it's an ops thing one more time, like I'm gonna jump out of my skin. And I'm like, you know, I wanna be like, that's a cop out. Right? <laughs> Such a cop out. Because at the end of the day, I think, we disregard maybe some of sales concerns or even marketing concerns because we have so many other things going on, but they're the people that keep us honest. They're the people that keep us better. And they also want us to just not be great today, but be better tomorrow. So I feel like more so of saying, you know, when we're hit with a little resistance, like that's an ops thing, don't worry about it. It's like, well, no bleep Sherlock of course it's an ops thing <laughs> we're all in ops we're right. all on one team we're in the same boat same team together so this is what I said to my friend so take it or leave it but she called me and she was so frustrated and I go use this analogy for me next time they tell you that and she's like don't make it about sports and I'm like it has to be about sports <laughs> wait wait I said okay I said, let me try and put it out there so like the whole room will understand it. I said, let's use football. I said, so operations is what? Let's say our quarterback. So they're the people like following out the orders or following out the play. They're starting the play per se. I said, but you as the sales leader, I said, you're special teams. Clinical is special teams. I said, culinary is special teams. And she's like, what on God's green earth does that mean? And I said, okay. So if you're like the special teams of the offensive coach is how I would view sales. I said, you have to be well-informed to make good plays and good decisions. And you have to be there to catch the ball when the QB throws it, but we have to talk about it beforehand. I said, and the same thing for clinical, you know, say they're our defensive coach. It's because, you know, they're looking at the risk. They're trying to keep our people longer in our community. So we're not the hamster on the wheel on the sales forefront. 
And she's like, I hope I can get this out of the meeting tomorrow. But <laughs> the, that it's just we we all need to like take down the vulnerability shade and just be like, we're all in ops. You're allowed mm-hmm. to have opinions and you need to be well informed to make good decisions or good plays. So the it's ops thing, I want to kick it and it's behind right out the door. <laughs> Done. It, it goes both ways, though, because I hear uh, a lot of times um, vice versa, too. Like looking at financials, I'll hear from the operations folks, well, we didn't achieve this because of sales. And we can't necessarily always be in these very specific silos. Like you said, like we're all ops, you know, same thing, we're all sales. You know, then sometimes I go back and say to those ops individuals, what did you do to assist with the sales? Yeah. Right? I can tell, so just a little brag moment. I have to say, we, ever since I started here, it's been almost two years now, I've gone through a couple of CEOs, but our meetings have always been the same. So when we we have our national directors of all disciplines, our VPs, our SVPs, we start every meeting with, okay, how is that supporting sales? Like you want to do this initiative, culinary, that's great. But how is that going to support our sales? How is that going to increase revenue? And it really helps them think about it in a different way. Like, oh, it's not. So should it be? Or is this an initiative that might be a one-off? And the same thing with culinary, as we talked about clinical engagement, it's like we sometimes we forget, like even culinary and engagement are there to support sales in the way of we can invite our prospects in and they can experience the community firsthand before they even move in. It's like, I can go on and on. I'm going to not go down that rabbit hole. So <laughs> I'm like, but um. I do have to, so something really funny my one of my previous CEOs used to say, but it actually made me feel heard. That's how we'd start the meetings, and you know it would get to me, and it's like whose knees do I need to break? Well, right. you know that might sound off color to some people, but honestly, it was it made me feel heard and it made me feel supported because it was like anything I needed, my operations people they were there to move the roadblocks, and really, if you do that, I promise you're going to be successful, is because sales or marketing, whomever, whatever department that's bringing it to light is only because we want to make changes to be better or just stay ahead of the curve. That's the other thing. What we're doing today, this is my biggest problem, is what we're doing today. We're like, it's great. It's working. Like, why are we talking about changing? I'm like, okay, it's working now, but will it work next quarter? Is it going to work next year? I mean, if somebody's touring with us and we're the only ones doing it, I guarantee our competitors are going to begin to do it. Totally. So. We got to come up with something else so that when they're then coming back and saying the atries and the Brookdales and the Capitals and everybody's doing it this way, guess what? Elegance is doing it a different way. That's so I feel like we're in a position where we're always kind of pushing against the grain a bit. Yeah, <laughs> I've uh, I usually come from the same thought philosophy um, in the past. You know, um, somebody I report to will say, well, Brookdale or whoever is doing it this way, why aren't you? Why aren't we? And I'm like, my head is usually just down and focused on, you know, it's good to have an understanding of what's going on in the industry, but what works for us? And if we're all doing the exact same 
thing? Like, how are we standing? Yeah. How are we standing out? Like, don't you, you want to be, can you be proud of a product when every single product is the exact same? Every single initiative is the exact same? No, set yourself apart, right? Exactly. And I, I really do feel like that's something that we're still able to do right now, at least within my own organization. We, like I said, are one better than one. It's one team is better than one person. So it's our sales squad. We don't only just have our leaders engaged in the sales process and sales culture, but it goes all the way down to the community level and rewarding them for being a part of that backup team, that sales team whether it be recognition or financial payouts, like we reward them for being a part of that. But the best part is they get to be a part of the sales culture. Like we did um, sales squad team member of the year. It was an award we gave out. Like who was the best backup team member that we have? Like who's, who's heating up the bench basically. And then like all of our challenges, like the last one we just did was super fun. So we did a pie challenge. So we, we basically took DSMs from different parts of the country and challenged them. The first one to hit the goal that we set one. And then the most regional wins basically. So you have to pie the person that you beat, but then oh, the like most, really like, like actually the pie, pie them. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And the okay. whole community had to be a part of it. And then okay. on top of that, we did um, the most regional wins got to pick support center team members like us to bring in. And they could pick up to seven. and boy, did they love that part of it. Because did you get a pie? I didn't. They spared me. They must like me. <laughs> but um, that was really fun. And like all the sales squad team members were so excited to participate because they're like, oh my God, I want a pie so-and-so. And it was like, they just liked being a part of it. And that's the thing. I think that's a big game changer. If you get, if you get the whole community engaged enough that they want to be a part of it, that's when everything changes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. And it helps with your community culture. Yeah. Right. And I think a lot of times sales does get to do, they have fun initiatives and they get to leave the workplace, leave the community and go do things and go network. So I think a lot of times there's a little bit of a jealousy factor. I oh, mean, yeah. <laughs> you know, and they're like, how come they always get to do that? So including other team members um, in those initiatives, I think is brilliant and probably really, really helps with that culture. Definitely. What other ways have you incentivized outside of, so you do the pies, you, did you say you've utilized different bonus structures for other mm -hmm. team members too? What does that typically look like? Or do you change it up on a monthly, quarterly basis? So I will tell you, I don't want to give all our secret sauce, yeah, but we do have that. like monthly challenges that we put out that really anybody can achieve um, and they're fun. It could be like, I mean, I'll do a really bland one since I don't give away all my secrets, but like the best creative follow up. Um, but they they're a part of that, too. And then we also incentivize them for being a part. If they do a tour, we incentivize them. If the person moves in, it moves up a tier. They get a better bonus for that happening. but. The way that we also, at least the way that I like to help them understand is like you changed a life. So when we pay them out for it and thank them for it, we remind them like you changed Betty White's life. Like look at her flourishing, look at her in your community. I like Betty White, but <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? It's not like you help the salesperson today. You help somebody's life. 
change. Absolutely. And I think it's not an extra well, workload. Exactly. It's yeah. like we just need to put in perspective for people sometimes. Um, you hear it sometimes too, like the ED, an executive director sometimes will be like, well, you know, I didn't do the tour because, you know, the salesperson gets paid for it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't get a bonus for it. And it's like, well, do you not want to help Betty White? Like right. I play on the guilt trip if I have to. Right. Right. But we'll also, but we'll also make it fun and interesting and actually reward you and financially reward you for doing it because I feel like that's the one piece of it. A lot of companies, it, companies I've worked at personally, they're like, we're not going to pay them for it. We pay the salesperson. I said, I understand, but this is a a group effort, and sometimes you have to give a little to get a little. And in the grand scheme of things, like it's not, it's it's pennies. Right, <laughs> so. exactly. Compared to, yeah, your, what you're getting. Um, I worked for a company in the past that had a program <clears throat> of just filling out. So you answer the phone, you fill out the blueprint or inquiry admission form, hand it off to the sales director in a timely manner. So they could then, you know, call that individual, that prospect back. But if they ended up moving in, you got a $50 bonus just for answering the telephone and jotting down the information. Now, I started my career as a dietary aide and as a CNA. And if somebody were to tell me that when I was working second shift, that if I were to just answer the phone and it happened to be a prospect and collect their name and phone number and pass it off, I could potentially get $50 as a 16 or 17 year old, I'd be like, yeah, I'll answer that. Sign me for up. You. How many? Yeah. <laughs> They'd yeah, be like, like running to the shoes. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. You have to, I think you have to meet them where they're at too and what is valuable to them. And I think you have that that financial piece, that incentive. But I think what you talked about earlier is that feeling of being included, being a part of something bigger, of helping individuals i think a lot of people thrive off of that as well i do absolutely most people would not be in this industry if they didn't and that's right. we just need to remind them sometimes because we get caught up in the day-to-day -day of you know whatever may be happening we have staffing issues we have expenses we have agency we have like all these different things that are coming at us which is so different from you know a few years ago people feel overwhelmed and then like i used to be a nurse Believe it or not, I didn't fit well if we all haven't noticed that thus far, but my <laughs> point is I was a nurse and I would be so close to it that I wouldn't even see the impact I was making on a daily basis because it's just, it becomes a task mm -hmm. versus like this, this is actually impacting somebody's life in a good or a bad way. So I was going to ask you, how did you get started in the industry? <laughs> well, so I, I would. I, I always say I was a nurse. I guess I am a nurse. Once a nurse, always a nurse. But sure. um, so I I started my very first job out of college was in pediatrics. And I thought I wanted to work with babies. Well, they are very difficult to work with and it's heart wrenching. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm doing the polar opposite. Older people, they can't be so bad. Like they live their life. <laughs> I was thinking it. And then I was like, oh my God, I have this so wrong by the time. So I actually started um, as a wellness director okay. at a community. And then um, I became an executive director and then a specialist and a regional VP. But um, I spent most of my career, 11 years at Capital Senior Living out of Dallas, Texas. And we had, uh, I want to say 132 or 137 communities when I left um, 
we were in 27 states. So I got it thrown to the wolves my first go around, but they really gave me a well-rounded perspective because I spent a lot of my career in operations before going into sales. And then I had um, a VP, if if he hears this, he'll know I'm talking about him, but he used to tell me, stop wasting, wasting your talents in sales. And I'm like, I love sales. I just want to do sales. <laughs> he used to take me out of it all the time. So I would be like a sales regional. He's like, we, do, we need you in operations. I'm like, I don't, I don't like operations. I don't like managing mashed potatoes and I don't want to deal with that. <laughs> right. So I kind of, it was, I guess, I don't know, osmosis, how I came into sales, sure. but it's where I landed is my place. <laughs> I love it. One of my favorite um, clinical partners that I've worked with in the past um, has a crazy knack for sales. And part of it is just wanting to um, connect with the families um and do that she loved that discovery process but also was brilliant with overcoming objections and marketing ideas and external business development ideas and like I think on a weekly basis I was like are you sure you don't want to just come over to this team no no I worked so hard to be a nurse I'm like I know you did but like you're really good at the sales piece and I promise it's a lot less of a headache. <laughs> and she's like, no, nope, I'm going to stay here, but I'll brainstorm with you. So I Good think um, the more experience that you have as you dabble um, in different departments throughout your career, I mean, just the better. You have all different perspectives, right, of how each department is feeling and what their struggles are. And then when you land in your sweet spot, like sales for you, you just take all of that experience and can utilize it to your benefit. I think me actually sitting in the sales seat is what changed everything. So I dibbled and dabbled in community sales because I was an executive director and I had my, you know, my salesperson went on maternity leave and then, you know, I had turnover and then I became um, like an area specialist. So I could sit in in sales or clinical or ED. I don't recommend oh, wow. it to anybody, but we, um, I realized I'm like, wow, I really like this side of it, the sales side of it. But what I learned very quickly is my patience for sales grew tremendously because being in a clinical role and then going to an operations role, it was like, oh, God, you know, what are they going to complain about today? Or, you know, my big thing, they would come to my office and start complaining about something. I'm like, how many calls did you make today? And then I kind of flipped the script because you have complete control from an operations perspective. And then you go into a sales perspective and it completely flip-flops. You have no control, but your success is based on everybody else. Mm -hmm. So it's a very vulnerable position to be in. And that's, I try and help organizations understand that. It's like their success is contingent on all of us. So how are we going to put them in a position for success versus you know, allowing them to be successful and then us capitalizing on it. Like we need to, that's like, we take all the admin work out of things. We help them plan their events. We help them plan all of their visits for business development. Like we put them in a really good position to be successful. We drive a lot of unpaid leads to them. Again, the list goes on and on. We all know it's like Silver a platter. Yeah. It's <laughs> like a web, but at the end of the day, that's, that's what changes sales and then keeping the whole company sales focused and making them understand like it's not an easy job 
they don't get to just dilly dally around town all day and drop right. off coffees and you right. know it's it's not that there's a lot of rejection there's a lot of they have to have like mental muscle like they have to be able to be emotionally mature to get over all the rejection and then to still continue to move on and when somebody tells them no how to change your mind how to be persuasive like there's a lot of I guess mental strength that goes into sales yeah, absolutely. Like if you think of the relationships that you've built personally in your own life, like it didn't happen overnight. And that's what, you know, sales is, is it's you're building these relationships and that's emotionally exhausting too, right? Like it's, I think a little bit like a licensed therapist or a counselor. So you're taking all of this and maybe nurses may feel the same way too. You're, you're taking everything that, you know, you're learning and you're, you're kind of bringing it all home with you too, as you're working on building these relationships. So yeah, it, it's not a, uh, this is like a shout out to everybody. They're not just going out there shopping and getting their nails done. Mm-hmm. And like you said, dropping coffees off. They're working. <laughs> They're working hard. They're working hard. Yes. <laughs> so it's Friday. You've worked hard all week long. Do you have any big plans for the weekend? Now, we did establish when Danny and I got on that I probably shouldn't do a podcast on a Friday after like noon because my filter is completely worn off for the entire day. So I'm trying to be on my best behavior. And my plans this weekend are I'm doing absolutely nothing on Saturday. Like I am just I'm I don't know what I'm doing. If a spell yeah. take me, I'm going. I'm going to get my nails done. I'm going to do everything I can just for me because I don't have my children. And then on Sunday, my daughter has a horse show and she's also, so that's in the morning. And then in the evening, she's doing her birthday a weekend early. So. Okay. Yeah. How old is she turning? She's nine. Nine. Okay. Oh, fun. I hope my weekends um, ends up being the same, but I mean, you know how it, how it goes. Like that's your plan. And then I don't know. Then after like two hours, you're like, well, I guess I should dust this room or, you know, the phone rings and somebody needs something or, but I hope you have a lovely, lovely weekend. Thank you very, very much. I appreciate you joining. It's always a great conversation. I also appreciate you not swearing today on the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Goodness, goodness. All right. We will talk to you all soon. Thanks for joining.